Welcome to Reading the One Year Bible Together, a daily podcast that runs Monday through Saturday. My name is Bryce Tomlinson, and I'll be joined by Sherry Atanasal, and on occasion, my lovely wife, Julie. If you don't have a one-year Bible, you can get a reading plan at oneyearbibleonline.com. There's a link in the description of this video on Facebook, and as well as the show notes of our podcast. This podcast is recorded from Jitsi, where we do our live streams daily. Details can be found in the show notes as well as on our Facebook page. You're welcome to read out of whichever version of the Bible that you like best. We just happen to use the World English Bible because it's public domain. And as such, this podcast and its corresponding live stream are also public domain. You're welcome to download them and re-upload them anywhere that you see fit, anywhere that you think that the Word of God is needed. We feel like that's pretty much everywhere, so you should totally do that. And even if you can't, you can still hit that share button. Share this on your timeline, share this on your Facebook, your Twitter feed, your TikTok, or wherever you think that people ought to be getting into the Bible. In the show notes, you'll find links to PayPal and Patreon, where you can show your support and contribute to the improving of our audio quality and the audio gear that we use to record these podcasts and live streams. Thanks for joining us, and here we go. Today is August 19th, and that means it is day 231 of the one-year Bible. Day 231 is going to start us out in Esther chapter 4. So if you'd like to get turned there, Julie, would you like to pray for us this morning? Lord, we come before you today humbly before your throne, and we just pray, Father, that you would give us your Holy Spirit today, that we would understand your word as you have it written, and Lord, that the Spirit would be with us throughout the day, throughout our all our days, that we would go forth and share your word with others, and that we would not grow away from your word and away from wanting to know more. And Lord, we just praise you and thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, we're starting out in Esther chapter 4, starting in verse 1. Now when Mordecai found out all that was done, Mordecai tore his clothes and put on sackcloth with ashes and went out into the middle of the city and wailed loudly and bitterly. He came even before the king's gate, for no one is allowed inside the king's gate clothed with sackcloth. In every province, wherever the king's commandment and his decree came, there was great mourning among the Jews, and fasting, and weeping, and wailing, and many lay in sackcloth and ashes. Esther maidens and her eunuchs came and told her this, and the queen was exceedingly grieved. She sent clothing to Mordecai to replace his sackcloth, and he didn't receive it. Then Esther called for Hathak, one of the king's eunuchs, whom he had appointed to attend her, and commanded him to go to Mordecai to find out what this was and why it was. So Hathak went out to Mordecai, to the city square which was before the king's gate. Mordecai told him of all that had happened to him, and the exact sum of the money that Haman had promised to pay to the king's treasuries for the destruction of the Jews. He also gave him the copy of the writing of the decree that was given out in Susa to destroy them, to show it to Esther and to declare it to her, and to urge her to go into the king to make supplication to him and to make requests before him for her people. Hathak came and told Esther the words of Mordecai. Then Esther spoke to Hathak and gave him a message to Mordecai. All the king's servants and the people of the king's provinces know that whoever, whether man or woman, comes to the king into the inner court without being called, there is one law for him, that he be put to death, except those to whom the king might hold out the golden scepter, that he may live. I have not been called to come in to the king these thirty days." 
They told Esther's words to Mordecai. Then Mordecai asked them to return this answer to Esther. Don't think to yourself that you will escape in the king's house any more than all the Jews. For if you remain silent now, then relief and deliverance will come to the Jews from another place, but you and your father's house will perish. Who knows if you haven't come to the kingdom for such a time as this? Then Esther asked them to answer Mordecai, Go, gather together all the Jews who are present in Susa and fast for me, and neither eat nor drink three days, night or day. I and my maidens will also fast the same way. Then I will go into the king, which is against the law, and if I perish, I perish. So Mordecai went his way and did according to all that Esther had commanded him. Now we continue with Esther chapter 5, starting in verse 1. Now on the third day, Esther put on her royal clothing and stood in the inner court of the king's house, next to the king's house. The king sat on his royal throne in the royal house, next to the entrance of the house. When the king saw Esther the queen standing in the court, she obtained favor in his sight, and the king held out to Esther the golden scepter that was in his hand. So Esther came near and touched the top of the scepter. Then the king asked her, What would you like, Queen Esther? What is your request? It shall be given you, even to the half of the kingdom. Esther said, If it seems good to the king, let the king and Haman come today to the banquet that I have prepared for him. Then the king said, Bring Haman quickly, so that it may be done as Esther has said. So the king and Haman came to the banquet that Esther had prepared. The king said to Esther at the banquet of wine, What is your petition? It shall be granted you. What is your request? Even to half of the kingdom it shall be performed. Then Esther answered and said, My petition and my request is this. If I have found favor in the sight of the king, and if it pleases the king to grant my petition and to perform my request, let the king and Haman come to the banquet that I will prepare for them, and I will do tomorrow as the king has said. Then Haman went out that day joyful and glad of heart. But when Haman saw Mordecai in the king's gate, that he didn't stand up nor move for him, he was filled with wrath against Mordecai. Nevertheless, Haman restrained himself and went home. There he sent and called for his friends and Zeresh his wife. Haman recounted to them the glory of his riches, the multitude of his children, all the things in which the king had promoted him, and how he had advanced him above the princes and servants of the king. Haman also said, Yes, Esther the queen, let no man come in with the king to the banquet that she had prepared but myself, and tomorrow I am also invited by her together with the king. Yet all this avails me nothing, so long as I see Mordecai the Jew sitting at the king gate. Then Zeresh his wife and all his friends said to him, Let a gallows be made fifty cubits high, and in the morning speak to the king about hanging Mordecai on it. Then go in merrily with the king to the banquet. This pleased Haman, so he had the gallows made. Next we are continuing in Esther chapter 6, starting in verse 1. On that night the king couldn't sleep. He commanded the book of records of the chronicles to be brought, and they were read to the king. It was found written that Mordecai had told of Bigthana and Teresh, two of the king's eunuchs, who were doorkeepers, who had tried to lay hands on the king Ahasuerus. The king said, What honor and dignity has been given to Mordecai for this? Then the king's servants who attended him said, Nothing has been done for him. The king said, Who is in the court? Now Haman had come into the outer court of the king's house to speak to the king about hanging Mordecai on the gallows that he had prepared.
prepared for him. The king's servants said to him, Behold, Haman stands in the court. The king said, Let him come in. So Haman came in. The king said to him, What shall be done to the man whom the king delights to honor? Now Haman said in his heart, Who would the king delight to honor more than myself? Haman said to the king, For the man whom the king delights to honor, let royal clothing be brought, which the king uses to wear, and the horse that the king rides on, and on the head of which a royal crown is set. Let the clothing and the horse be delivered to the hand of one of the king's most noble princes, that they may array the man whom the king delights to honor with them, and have him ride on horseback through the city square, and proclaim before him, Thus it shall be done to the man whom the king delights to honor. Then the king said to Haman, Hurry, and take the clothing and the horse, as you have said, and do this for Mordecai the Jew, who sits at the king's gate. Let nothing fail of all that you have spoken. Then Haman took the clothing and the horse, and arrayed Mordecai, and had him ride through the city square, and proclaimed before him, Thus it shall be done to the man whom the king delights to honor. Mordecai came back to the king's gate, but Haman hurried to his house, mourning and having his head covered. Haman recounted to Zeresh, his wife, and all his friends, everything that had happened to him. Then his wise men and Zeresh, his wife, said to him, If Mordecai, before whom you have begun to fall, is of Jewish descent, you will not prevail against him, but you will surely fall before him. While they were yet talking with him, the king's eunuchs came and hurried to bring Haman to the banquet that Esther had prepared. Next, we continue with Esther chapter 7, starting in verse 1. So the king and Haman came to banquet with Esther the queen. The king said again to Esther on the second day at the banquet of wine, What is your petition, Queen Esther? It shall be granted to you. What is your request? Even to the half of the kingdom it shall be performed. Then Esther the queen answered, If I have found favor in your sight, O king, and if it pleases the king, let my life be given me at my petition and my people at my request. For we are sold, I and my people, to be destroyed to be slain, and to perish. But if we had been sold for male and female slaves, I would have held my peace, although the adversary could not have compensated for the king's loss. Then King Ahasuerus said to Esther the queen, Who is he, and where is he who dared presume in his heart to do so? Esther said, An adversary and an enemy, even this wicked Haman. Then Haman was afraid before the king and the queen. The king arose in his wrath from the banquet of wine, and went into the palace garden. Haman stood up to make request for his life to Esther the queen, for he saw that there was evil determined against him by the king. Then the king returned out of the palace garden into the place of the banquet of wine, and Haman had fallen on the couch where Esther was. Then the king said, Will he even assault the queen in front of me in the house? As the word went out of the king's mouth, they covered Haman's face. Then Harbana, one of the eunuchs who were with the king, said, Behold the gallows, fifty cubits high, which Haman has made for Mordecai, who spoke good for the king, is standing at Haman's house. The king said, Hang him on it. So they hanged Haman on the gallows that he had prepared for Mordecai. Then the king's wrath was pacified. Next, we are going into the New Testament. We are in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, starting in verse 1. 
Now, concerning spiritual things, brothers, I don't want you to be ignorant. You know that when you were heathen, you were led away to those mute idols, however you might be led. Therefore, I make known to you that no man, speaking by God's Spirit, says, Jesus is accursed. No one can say, Jesus is Lord, but by the Holy Spirit. Now, there are various kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are various kinds of service, and the same Lord. There are various kinds of workings, but the same God who works all things in all. But to each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the profit of all. For to one is given through the Spirit the word of wisdom, and to another the word of knowledge according to the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, and to another gifts of healing by the same Spirit, and to another workings of miracles, and to another prophecy, and to another discerning of spirits, and to another different kinds of languages, and to another the interpretation of languages. But the one and the same Spirit produces all these, distributing to each one separately as he desires. For as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, being many, are one body, so also is Christ. For in one Spirit we were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether bond or free, and were all given to drink into one Spirit. For the body is not one member but many. If the foot would say, Because I am not the hand, I am not part of the body. It is not therefore not part of the body. If the ear would say, Because I'm not the eye, I'm not part of the body. It's not therefore not part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing be? If the whole were hearing, where would the smelling be? But now God has set the members, each one of them, in the body, just as he desired. If they were all one member, where would the body be? But now they are many members, but one body. The eye can't tell the hand, I have no need for you, or again the head to the feet, I have no need for you. No, much rather, those members of the body which seem to be weaker are necessary. Those parts of the body which we think to be less honorable, on those we bestow more abundant honor, and our unpresentable parts have more abundant modesty, while our presentable parts have no such need. But God composed the body together, giving more abundant honor to the inferior part, that there should be no division in the body, but that the members should have the same care for one another. When one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. When one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. Next, we are going back into the Old Testament. We are now in Psalm 36, starting in verse 1. A revelation is within my heart about the disobedience of the wicked. There is no fear of God before his eyes, for he flatters himself in his own eyes, too much to detect and hate his sin. The words of his mouth are iniquity and deceit. He has ceased to be wise and to do good. He plots iniquity on his bed. He sets himself in a way that is not good. He doesn't abhor evil. Your loving kindness, Yahweh, is in the heavens. Your faithfulness reaches to the skies. Your righteousness is like the mountain of God. Your judgments are like a great deep. Yahweh, you preserve man and animal. How precious is your loving kindness, God. The children of men take refuge under the shadow of your wings. They shall be abundantly satisfied with the abundance of your house. You will make them drink of the river of your pleasures. For with you is the spring of life. In your light we will see light. Oh, continue your loving kindness to those who know you, your righteousness to the upright in heart. Don't let the foot of pride come against me. Don't let the hand of the wicked drive me away. There the workers of iniquity are fallen. They are thrust down and shall not be able to rise. 
Lastly, we finish with Proverbs 21, verses 21 and 22. He who follows after righteousness and kindness finds life, righteousness, and honor. A wise man scales the city of the mighty and brings down the strength of its confidence. Lord, we thank you for your word today. We thank you for your spirit that guides us to know what you want us to do. And Lord, we just want to bring our petitions before you, Father, humbly before your throne. We lift our loved ones to you, Father, that are hurting with sicknesses and illness, mental, bodily, spiritual. Lord, there's just warfare all around in every dimension. And Lord, we just lift them to you and we praise your holy name that you would see fit to heal our loved ones, Father. You would remove the cancer cells. You would heal the body parts that are failing, Lord. You would mend the neural pathways, Father, that have been damaged by strokes and concussions through the years and things of the and accidents and all those types of things. We lift the broken bones to you, Father, the mending bones, that you would continue to heal them, Father, and strengthen them. And the muscles, Father, that have atrophied, Father, we just pray that you would give them strength to support the body and become stronger than they once were. Lord, we lift our children to you with a heart that cries out for mercy, Father. We pray, Father, that you would draw our children away from this world that's just sucking them in, Father, and giving them nothing but lies and showing them that everything is like pretty and shiny and desirable when it's just pure evil, Father. We pray that you would reveal to them your true self, Father, that they would turn away from the world and come back to you and that they would seek you, Father, and praise you and give you all glory and honor due. And Lord, we lift the um, leaders of the world, Father, that they would be men and women of God that would seek your will, Father, as they make laws and decisions for people all over the world. Lord, we lift our first responders to you. We pray that they would also be men and women of God, Father, that they would seek you first in everything they do, and they would realize that they put their lives on the line for others because they love you, Father, and they want to show you and everything they do. And Lord, who loved your people, Israel, your chosen children, Father, we pray, Father, that they would realize that their Messiah has come, that they can stop looking for him for the first time, but be on the lookout for his second return and be ready. Lord, we pray that they bow their knee now, Father, on this side before they are forced to bow their knee, because all knees will bow at the end, Father. And we just pray that not only the Jews, but everyone else in the world that does not know you, they would come to know you, that they would seek you, and that they would serve you, and they would love you and give you glory and honor as is due. Lord, we love you, and we praise you, and we thank you for all these things. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So this is my favorite part of uh, the book of Esther. Mm-hmm. It's uh, evidence that God created irony. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Absolutely. Or we wouldn't have it. So Mordecai's out there freaking out at the city gate. Uh-huh. Yeah. He's making such a scene that Esther is isolated a life as she's living in, in the house of the, the women is aware of this protester for lack of a better. <laughs> <laughs> they don't know that she's related to him. Correct. So it's just right. this protester that's out there making a scene and, and she's, she's like, what's going on? So she, she knows that he can't be upset about nothing. Mm-hmm. And she, at her position now, can't go down by herself and just check it out. Right. Just to send somebody who sends somebody. <laughs> yeah, if she wanted to go out there, she could probably request to go out there and be escorted by a small army of... Eunuchs and warriors or something. Yeah. yeah. 
killers <laughs> and thus risk Mordecai's life. Yeah, she sends a eunuch out to meet him to find out what's going on. So I wonder how it is that Hathak is in on this conversation. This eunuch is in on mm-hmm. this conversation between Mordecai and Esther and does not know their relationship and Mordecai. Has strictly forbidden her from revealing their relationship. Mm-hmm. Some very careful wording and language is used. I don't know. Mordecai sends this reply through Hathak. Don't think for a moment that you'll be spared. But he doesn't say, you know, if I'm gone, you're gone. He just says you and your father's house. But if you look at the other versions uh-huh. outside of the, the, the Webis version, mm-hmm. he implicitly says that she's a Jew. Ah, okay. So this is this is the moment when it comes out. Yeah, the Amplified Classical here, don't flatter yourself that you shall escape in the king's palace any more than all the other Jews. Yeah. yeah. So the only one at this point that doesn't know is the king, probably, because yep, he's probably, off in la-la land and hasn't seen his wife in a month. That's true. Probably just this one eunuch, maybe two eunuchs, I'm guessing there are one or two that she trusts. Uh-huh. Yeah, even the Webis version says that, don't think for yourself that you will escape in the king's house any more than all the Jews. It says the same. So mm-hmm. Yeah, but it doesn't say the other Jews. That distinction sets it apart. It, it's like I could go down the street and say, you know what? If that girl doesn't want to date me, she's probably going to end up with some other jerk. <laughs> and by saying that, you're saying you're a jerk. <laughs> I take it as when he says these other Jews, he is implying that she is a Jew in the messaging. Yes, but not that they're directly related, right? Right. So that's that's kind of what I was where I was right. getting originally yeah. was not that he did tell her not to reveal that she was a Jew mm-hmm. until this point. Yeah. This is like the Moses moment, you know, it's it's like you could keep this kid in your house only just so long before he's going to be revealed. Right. And it's going to be apparent that you let a boy child live and didn't throw him into the river like you were told to. Mm-hmm. But this, I don't know why this hit me so much as it did today, but I've read this story so many times. But yeah. where, when she says, then I will go into the king, which is against the law. And if I perish, I perish. Mm-hmm. It's like a resignation. Right. Yeah. Right. She's saying, I'm going to do God's will regardless of my life, you know, because Mordecai's like, now is the time to reveal yourself. Now is the time to go forth and say who you are, you know, because that's why God put you there. Mm-hmm. This is probably why you were put there is so that you could go make supplication for your people because you have favor with the king. And again, she's saying, you know, of course, well, it's against the law, but if I perish, I perish. I'd rather perish potentially doing God's will versus sitting by and letting my people be destroyed. Mm-hmm. I don't know if she's aware of how smitten Ahasuerus is with her. Well, if she hasn't seen him in 30 days, she's probably a little on the clueless side. But that was a pretty common thing back then. Right. I mean, they didn't, they lived in separate houses and Everything. kind of led their own lives unless the king wanted her for something. Right. But he is obviously smitten with her because she shows up and down goes the golden scepter. Mm -hmm. And whatever you want, up to half the kingdom, whatever it is, yours. Yep, that's huge. Not, who is this lady? Right. Oh, yeah, that's right. I forgot I have a wife. My 300th wife. Okay, got it. Yeah. It wasn't even just a, okay, yeah, I've got a few minutes for you. No. Now, mind you, you know, she was not dressed like a peasant. She showed up. Oh. She was not dressed yeah. like any of the slave girls when she showed up. Put on her royal clothing. That was probably quite the feat, too. Oh, yeah. 
That's why she's got the eunuch. Got seven of the finest maidens to help her out yep. with everything. I love that Haman is in this moment preparing this awesome thing, right? He's he's getting ready to be happy. Yeah. Getting ready to to talk to the king about having Mordecai hanged on the gallows. And he knows because, I mean, he's got the king's signet ring. He knows that it'll be cool with, with the king. What wouldn't be cool? And so he goes into the king's presence expecting to have this conversation with him. And, and the king just has this incidental thing. Hey, you know, there's this other thing. Let me talk to you about this one thing. <laughs> what would you do? How would you honor the person who you just are delighted with? How would the king honor that person? And of course, Haman's like, well, I've got the signet ring. I, you know, just I just ordered, I just got to order an extermination of an entire people group. Yeah. Like who else would it be? Right. Because it's all about him. Yeah. You know, he's got that whole, everything's about me attitude. And so he's got to walk him around. <laughs> If that wasn't ordained by God. The one Jew that is the most thorn in his side, he gets to bestow all the honor he thought was going to be on him. And let's be clear. Why is Mordecai the thorn in Haman's side? Wasn't worshiping him. Yeah. Wasn't bowing down and giving him reverence. That's it. Mm -hmm. Yep. Mordecai wouldn't bow down when everyone was ordered to bow down to Haman. Mordecai, you're just a man. I'm not going to bow down to you. Uh-huh. And he honored God in that. Mm-hmm. Imagine how much it just burned to have to mm-hmm. walk him around proclaiming this all over the city. I mean, he probably would have been nauseated and just tensed up and sick. And it's mm-hmm. not that. good enough. He gets home and his wife and his wise men, his trusted advisors, say, uh-huh. if this guy's a Jew, you are in so much trouble. <laughs> Been nice being married to you for the last 20 years or so, but uh, bye. <laughs> yep. As soon as anybody finds out that this guy's a Jew, I mean, but she has this way, Esther has this way of buttering everybody up, warming up the situation. Mm-hmm. It's very creative the way she does it. Like, this is not what Mordecai said to do. M- Mordecai didn't say to do it this way. So I have to think this must be like spirit led, right? Mm-hmm. How she buttered the whole situation up. Yeah, that that's it's got to be spirit led because I mean it's all timing. You know, she just put her petition before him immediately. There would not have been the uh-huh. orchestration of now the king is hearing the story of Mordecai. Now uh-huh. the king wants to honor Mordecai. None of that would have happened yet if she had just put her petition right at the very beginning, right then and there. Right. So mm-hmm. part of it is I, I'm just thinking about the psychology of this approach, and uh-huh. I think part. Part of it is that the king barely knows her. Mm-hmm. He loves her to pieces, but honestly, like he hasn't seen her in a month, right? And I think she wants to sit down and have him know her, mm-hmm. know her, know her for a couple of days, for a couple of right. yeah. Outside yeah. of the uh, singular realm that he probably knows her in. How do you get to know someone better than having a meal, having a couple of drinks with that person, just partaking and supping with that person? Mm-hmm. If she can build that attachment even more he's already pretty struck with her if she can build that attachment even more and make it more profound how much more impactful will it be when she mercilessly crushes Haman right in front of him and just like the king asked Haman what would be the best way to show how much you're delighted with somebody he gets advice from his eunuchs for the best
best way to dispose of his enemy. Yes. They covered Haman's face. I just had an image of like when you are going to hang somebody back in the day, they would throw a sack over their head. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I kind of so thought that like, like mafia execution time. Uh-huh. Like we're going to get rid of this guy now. So let's just like it's kind of like that last cut scene right before yeah. the, the end scene. And like the last thing you see is the bag going over the guy's head and then everything goes to black. <laughs> I like how Paul describes the different gifts and the different the different properties that individual members of the church would have as body parts. It's a very good visual description because you can just picture it. I mean, he's even referring to, you know, the unspeakable parts of your body uh-huh. and and, made, and drawing a parallel, drawing a parallel with members of the body that do the things that no one wants to talk about. Uh-huh. Yeah. I always think of like Paul at our church who for the last, ever since Reinhold passed away, uh, he's the one that's been cleaning our church faithfully every week. Nobody talks about it. Most people probably have no idea who it is. It's kind of an unspeakable, unspoken thing, but he does it faithfully. Yeah. Most people never saw Reinhold and Jesse out there working their butts off. They just saw that somehow the church was kept. It's just one of those things most people take for granted. Or, you know, Ruth, who comes in every week and prepares all of the crafts and activities for kids' ministry every week. Nobody knows who she is or what she does, but she's been faithfully doing that since I've been at the church. I think I think when we first get into the church, we kind of want to know who's who. Mm-hmm. We, we have a tendency to want to, like, get in with the deacons. Yeah. Get in good with the, with the, the, the board members or whatever. Um, I think I think that's something that we have a tendency to do as new believers. I think as a as a more mature Christian, I think you're less concerned about that. You're just more concerned right. about does this church have the fundamentals that are needed for it to be a church? Mm-hmm. But when you're first getting into like the who's who, right? And he's speaking to really a new church. Yeah. I think you're trying to figure out who's more important. Oh, that guy's not even a whatever, right? Right. And, and you think that deacons are in a position of authority when just deacons are actually like the most servanthood of the servants. Yes. Yes. <laughs> and you see these churches where it's very charismatic, where they put the deacons in these fancy thrones on the, on the stage. Uh-huh. And the deacons are typically in a, in a real church. The deacons during service are typically the ones in the bathrooms refilling the paper towels and the toilet paper, plunging yep. up over stuffed toilets. Outside being security guys in the parking lot. Yeah, mopping up messes in the children's church. Mm-hmm. Those are the deacons. Because, Those are the real deacons. Yeah, that's the, that's in a real church. That's probably what's happening. And um, this uh, tendency to hold them up, like it's not a it's not a light uh, a light commitment that they take on to become deacons of the church. No. And it is mm-hmm. uh, strictly a position of servanthood. And it's said so in the Old Testament. Right. Mm-hmm. There were supposed to be yeah. people appointed to do these service things so that the people who were teaching were able to teach. They were able to focus on teaching. And then in a New Testament, they had to appoint particular people who were, again, above reproach. Mm-hmm. They had to have a, a moral compass that was beyond question. Mm-hmm. They had to be willing to do anything. Yep. Yeah. When um, Doug was praying 
about Andy coming into a leadership position. It could have gone either way because he really has a heart for teaching and a knowledge of the Bible, but he also has that heart of just if something needs done, I'll do it. Yeah, he gets his hands dirty. Yeah, it could have been gone either way for him. And he does. He doesn't ever complain about things that need to be done. He gets tired, but he doesn't ever complain. He's not just willing to get his hands dirty. He just, he gets his hands dirty. Yeah, he just does it. Yeah. Uh We We all know people who aren't afraid to get their hands dirty, but somehow they never do. (laughs) Yeah. Or people who want to look like they're all that. Yeah. But they're not doing anything. I like what Paul says, though, at the end, that there should be no division in the body, but that the members should have the same care for one another. Uh So no matter what your role is in the church, no matter how you're not acknowledging that gravity will do a great job holding down the pews without (laughs) your assistance, (laughs) there would be no division. Like no one would think higher of one another and and the lowest is as important to the body as as the highest. Right. And God doesn't see him as highest and lowest. Yeah. He doesn't see the janitor as any less than the elder. Yeah. God composed the body together, giving more abundant honor to the inferior part. Uh-huh. And we should see people that way, too. So let's look at it in terms of the human body paralleled with a book. Okay. Okay. A reference book. For the longest time, everybody thought that the appendix serves no purpose. And if you're in there, you might as well amputate the appendix. Uh-huh. Yep. And and only recently has some light been shed on what the role of the appendix is. Mm-hmm. Much like when you're a kid and you read a reference book or textbook, there's an appendix in the back of the book. <laughs> As adults, we love the appendix. Yep. Because... As adults, we look at the appendix and we go, that is the thing that is going to allow me to find the thing, (laughs) right? Yep. It's super important in in reference books. And as a kid, you just want to read the story and what is the stupid appendix thing? It's a lot of words. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. A lot of work if you're in school. But we know what the appendix role is as we gain maturity. We we realize it's going to save us a lot of having to read through the whole thing just to find the one thing that we're looking for. And and I think the same is true of the human body. And here we have something where Paul is being led by the Lord to, to say the least important, the thing you see as the least important person in the church is given more abundant honor. Uh-huh. Yes. But what's your we- game plan today? I am taking Amanda to a friend's house for a couple of hours as soon as this is over and she's ready. And then this evening, the church was doing this thing and I wasn't going to participate because it's not my thing. Uh, but I was texted and asked if I would. So it's like a you were, we were supposed to sign up and it's a bunch of women. You don't know whose house you're going to or who is going to be there. You just have to show up with some food and they tell you like side dish or dessert. So you have the address and you have the main meal and you know nothing else. So I am going to one of those. I think it's called Who's Coming for Dinner or something at six. So that's my big thing, which I'm not looking forward to because it's not my thing, but I'm going. How about you guys? Sounds like a white elephant church dinner. (laughs) We're going to go roller skating. I'm probably going to work on a couple of emails. Anyway, that's the game plan. A little bit of radio station programming, a couple of Mm -hmm. emails, and um, that's pretty much it for today. Okay. Thanks, you guys, for joining us. Thank you, Julie, for joining us this wonderful weekend and Sherry as well each day. Um, God bless you guys. Uh, We pray for safety for uh, those that are in the path of this hurricane that's coming up. And continued prayer for Maui and 
and we wish you all the best. We'll see you Monday. We're all going to be attending Bible-believing churches uh, first thing in the morning, and we hope that you guys are too. So we'll be back again on Monday for day 233 of the One Year Bible. All right, you guys, have a great day and have a great weekend. We'll see you then. Bye-bye. Bye.